0: Hello, and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash new song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at post office box 761 Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day.
1: I want to talk to you today about the spirit. Your spirit, God's spirit, and the spiritual world. I want you to get a, a, a clear understanding of what all of this means. God had a plan. It's like that song that I love to sing sometimes. In the beginning... Let's see, I'd have to... Let me think about it a minute. In the beginning of time, God created a mystery. It it is a mystery. God, who is a spirit, the Father, decided... And why he decided it is debatable, but I believe that your God, although he doesn't supposedly need anything, he wanted companionship. He wanted love. And so he created people. But he decided not to leave them in the spiritual realm, but to put them in a physical place. And so there wasn't one. So he created the universe. He put stars, planets, and galaxies in this universe. He created the earth. The earth was out with, was, uh, had no form. It was void. So he created uh, landmass mass and the ocean and he created air and then he started creating life, birds and and animals, and then he created someone who was in his own image. You. The first one was Adam. God came and he took dirt, literally dirt, and he, just like a potter, he formed it into a man. And it was inanimate, it just sat there. So God had to bring it to life. There was one thing missing. He didn't do this with any other animals. You are not an animal. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, I'm not an animal and neither are you. Tell them that. You are not an animal. When God finished, he knelt over Adam and he blew. You say his breath, but literally what he blew into Adam was his essence, his spirit. No animal has that, but you do. Now, when you were born again, God did something with that spirit that increased. And then something became debatable. God decided later on that he was going, listen to me carefully, he was going to increase his spirit inside of you even more. And He created and made an event that we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right? The word baptism in the Greek, now listen, stay with me. The word baptism means total immersion. Not just a little bit of the Spirit, not half of the Spirit, but total immersion. It's like being drenched in the Holy Spirit, amen? And he also gave you the ability to do everything that he did. Jesus said, the things I have done you will do, and greater things than these will you do because I go to the Father. So when when the baptism, when that fullness of God came to you, he he didn't come empty-handed, he came bearing power and gifts. I don't know if you know this, Every one of you in here has the ability to lay hands on someone, and they can be healed. You can lay hands on another person, and 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 if you've got the faith to speak, you could speak to them and give them a personal one-on-one word from God to them that they need to hear. Some of you may have the spirit of discernment, where you have the ability to know the difference between good and evil. Now, there are nine gifts of the Spirit, and when it came time for me uh, seeking the Lord, I said, Lord, I'd like all of them. A person uh, later, I shared that in a meeting, and a person came up and said, well, you're kind of selfish, aren't you? No, in fact, I think God is looking for people who would want to be used in all of his power and all of his gifts. We live in a sick world. And we need to remember that God has the power to heal it. But you know what? It's not going to be healed till Jesus comes and he takes over the government of this world for 1,000 years. It's called the millennial reign. You're going to be here with him. You're not going to die. You're going to live for that 1,000 years. And the Bible says you're going to rule and reign with him. Jesus will be in Jerusalem. His main office will be the temple, which will be rebuilt. You and I will be placed in places of government around the earth. God's going to use every one of you. And to bring what is needed most on this earth is peace. No more disease. No more crying. Now, there will be, People, I believe, uh, dying, uh, getting married, having children, and they'll they will they'll have an opportunity to, to uh, accept the Lord just like you did. It'll be easier for them because they'll be able to see him. You had to make those decisions by faith. You didn't see him. You know, when Jesus rose from the dead and he came back to the upper room where they had had the final meal together, they were in there one night and they were kind of arguing. Somebody said, "Well, Jesus rose from the dead." One of the ladies went to to his body and he wasn't there. One of the disciples named Thomas. That's where we get the phrase "doubting Thomas." He said, "I'm not going to believe he's alive till I see him, till I put my finger in the prints of his hand and." thrust my hand up in the spear wound in his side. That's the only time I'm going to believe. At that very moment, listen to this, at that very moment, Jesus walked through the wall. He didn't, There was a door right there. He didn't even use it. He walked through the wall, and he stood in front, of, uh, in front of Thomas. Now listen to this. And he fell on, Thomas fell on his knees, and he said, my Lord and my God. Jesus looked at him and said, How blessed you are, Thomas, because you've seen me and believed. But then Jesus said something about you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. But he said, Thomas, how much more blessed are those who've never seen me, but yet they believe. He was talking about you. It takes a lot of faith to turn your life, your finances, your health, your children, your home, your possessions, your job. It takes a lot of faith to turn all of that over to God because some of you have an issue with trust. Well, can I trust somebody I've never seen? Can I trust Him? That was one of the questions I had when we went to Lubbock. When I went to the doctor on Thursday, that was rolling around in my mind. Can I trust this great God that I've never seen? And Lord... I don't deserve your healing, but I'm asking for it. Can I trust you? Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Pressed. Pressed. Shaken. God wants to give you His blessings. Amen? But... He wants you to start sharing the power of God with others. And I wonder who will be first. You know, I had a struggle with that too because I didn't think I was worthy to be used by the Lord in anything. God said, I made you worthy. None of you in here were worthy of your own efforts. God made you worthy. God forgave you. God, He washed away your sins. He removed your sins out of your body as far as the east is from the west. And now, when God, the Father, looks at you, He sees you through the blood of Jesus. It's like the first time my dad took me down to a place where they were welding. And the welder had on a big hood and some dark, a dark lens in front of his eyes. And I was looking at the welding, and my dad put his hand over my eyes and pulled me away. And he said, don't look at that. You could go blind. He was right. Now, think about that. Now when the Father looks at you, before you found Jesus, it was like looking at the sun on a hot summer day at noon and staring at it. You know what will happen if you keep doing that? You'll go blind. And that's the way God felt when he was looking at you. But now, listen to me carefully. Now when God, the Father, looks at you, he looks at you through the blood, like that lens, through the blood of his son. And you know what he sees you as being? Perfect. You're perfect, Pam. Perfect. He say, well, John, you don't know stuff I did. Well, you don't know stuff I did that I'm ashamed of. And God keeps telling me, why are you ashamed anymore? We've washed that away. We've taken care of it. Well, I said, but Lord, what about the people that I hurt? He said, I've taken care of them too. God's covered all your bases. Now let's look at verse 1, chapter 3 of John. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came... To Jesus by night, and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that, that you do, except, excuse me, God is with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except, except a man be born again, he cannot see The kingdom of God. Now, first time I ever read that, I was confused. Just the same way they are. Well, let's look at it. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of what? Spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, it opens up all kinds of questions. Well, if animals don't have spirits, what about my pets and my dogs? We're dog people. I believe with all in my heart God's going to take care of that. Now, those, those animals aren't going to get all the blessings you're going to get, but who's to say God doesn't have the power to raise them also so you can enjoy them for eternity? How I many of you have ever had a dog that was just really special to you? And then when they die, what do you do? You just, you're crushed except a man be born of the water and the spirit. Now, when a woman's about to give birth, just before that event takes place, I know because it happened with us, (laughs) my wife's water broke. Your baby is encapsulated in a womb filled with water. And when when that water breaks and it's shed from her body, it's telling you something, right, Lena? Lena works in the Pediatric section of the hospital. So you see this every day, don't you? It's a miracle, isn't it? Man, I got cheated out of that. Lena, I, we went to Lamaze. How I many of you did Lamaze? <laughs> Remember that? And I thought, I thought, well, when we, when Liz and I get down there, uh, and then maybe they'll let me see my my son being born. And well, the doctor, I saw him in the elevator. She'd been in labor about 40 hours. I or, well, it wasn't that long, but it was long. He said, Mr. Burke, I got, I was just coming to get you. Uh, your wife can't have that baby. It's physically impossible. What do you mean she can't have that baby? What do you mean she's going to die? No, no, we're going to have to do a C-section. She'll be fine. Well, I was freaking out. So he went down there. They took her in, and I went in the bathroom, and the bathroom was in the waiting room. Right There were people that were right there, and, I was, man, I broke down. I was weeping. I turned on the faucets in the sink and I flushed the toilet about 20 times so nobody could hear me crying. I eat up with pride. I saw my son before my wife saw him. They brought him out in a smoke colored tray, plastic. And he, they didn't even clean him up. He was smeared with goo and blood and whatever. And he went, and, and uh, two nurses brought him out. And I, I walked over, over there and I looked and, you know, what I did something stupid. I started counting his fingers and toes to make sure they were all there. One nurse slapped me on the shoulder and said, he's perfect and your wife is just fine. Went back to the bathroom cried some more. And they took the baby back to clean him up. And now he's that huge guy up there in the sound booth. He weighed 11 pounds when he was born. My wife, you saw her while ago. She's only five foot tall, whatever. She paid a great price to give life. So did Jesus. You see how many of these miracles are tied together. And they they all point toward your Savior. The sacrifice. It's a sacrifice for you ladies in here when you have children. That's a sacrifice. It hurts. I've been told that giving birth is one of the most painful things there is. Is that right, Lynn? How many did you have, Lynn? Seven children. Give her a hand. She has repopulated this part of the earth on her very own. Well, you're a blessing. I just want you to know that. And I just appreciate all of you mothers for making that sacrifice. Okay. Look at verse uh, 7. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth and thou hearest the sound thereof, but you cannot tell whence it cometh and whether it, where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You know, you, you hear the wind. I heard it all night last night. kept me awake. But you can't see it unless it's filled with dirt and there's enough wind to blow that dirt up and then you can see it. But you can't see it. How, how can you... It's kind of like God. You can't see Him either, but you can tell He's there. Why? Because of the miracles He does in your life. It started out with the miracle of your own birth and the sacrifice of your mother who gave, in a sense, a part of her life so that you could have life. It's all paradoxical. It all works out to point toward Jesus and God the Father. And then God said, there is only how many gods? Only one. But he manifests himself in three separate distinct persons. He is the Father. He is the Son. Yes, Jesus is not only the Son of God. He is God. And he is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so special because He's not an it. He's a he. And God said, I'm going to give my children on earth one more big blessing. He said, I'm going to bring myself and I'm going to inhabit their body. The Holy Spirit possessed you demons like to do the same thing, but they want to possess you so they can kill you and take your life and ruin your life. God says, I want to possess you so you can be happy and filled with joy and power, and you can go and minister to my other children who are hurting. I'll make you strong. I'll keep you healthy. I'll meet your financial needs. Now you go and take the message of the cross to those that are hurting. Some of you didn't know that. I've heard people say, well, if I'd known that, I wouldn't have become a Christian. I'm kind of shy. I don't like talking to people. Well, you ask God, he'll make you bold. That's for sure. Look at verse 12. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? See, right now I can tell by looking at some of you, when I talk about these spiritual things, which is what we're doing, you look at me in a puzzled way. Is that true? Uh, Is he making that up? Is the only evidence of that is the Bible? No, you have evidence of the Spirit of God inhabiting you every single day. When I went into that doctor's office Thursday, my wife, listen to this, From the time we got that diagnosis, I called her and told her what they said. And Liz told me, she said, I feel a real peace about this. Well, you feel a peace about it because they're not going to chop on you. She told me that no fewer than 10 times on the way over there. That night we had communion together, Wednesday night. It was all her idea. She said, I feel really good about this. And I think we ought to commune together with the Lord, the Lord's Supper. And let's join ourselves to Him in agreement with Him. I feel good about it. She kept saying it. And you know, to be honest with you, I felt pretty good about it too. But I felt even better about it knowing that she was supporting me. You women, you're a helpmeet. To your husband, did you ever wonder what that means? Let me just tell you flat out what it means. It means that you men need to hear my voice. Without your wife, you couldn't live very long. You think you're living, but you're not. Your wife is a gift that God gave you. A gift. I got the best one on the planet. My son said, well, I'm not getting married until I find somebody just like mom. And I said, Well, good luck. You'll be you'd be doing good if you if you find somebody like your mom. She's got one of the most powerful women's ministries in Carlsbad. She's available. People call her. They don't call me, they call her. And she's available. She is a vital part of this ministry. It's not just me. Believe me, it's not. And she's a blessing to me personally. I, I couldn't have made it. I remember one time I was so frustrated. You know, it's frustrating being in the ministry. That's why a lot of people don't want to do it. I came home from going somewhere to minister, and it, it was a frustrating meeting. didn't didn't come about like I wanted it to. I came in the house, and I had my Bible, in it and I just threw it across the room, and it slammed against the wall and slid to the floor. And Liz went over and picked it up. I plopped down on the couch feeling sorry for myself. And she came over and put that Bible in my lap. And she prayed for me. And I was okay. I was okay for another 10 years. It is. It's frustrating sometimes. Will you still love me if I say this? Sometimes you're frustrating. I know what you think. We just thought the pastor was frustrating. Somebody came to us once and said, I got offended in church yesterday. How many times have you been offended in a week? Well, just that once. I get offended four or five times a day. (laughs) But I'm sure it was none of you that did that. I want you to think about it. Why do you come to this building? You come to learn about the one that loves you. And he does love you. And the more you learn about him, the more peace that you get in your heart and the more confidence you attain about who you are in him. That's why Satan, listen to this, Satan is terrified of you, terrified. The next time you are getting attacked, you just say, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. I command you to leave me, leave my family now, and he'll go. You might have to do a little bit of warfare there. You you may have to tell him more than once, but he will go. The reason I say you might have to tell him more than once is because he remembers that in the past, he could just come and lie to you and you'd receive what he said. You'd you'd come into agreement with him. Listen, stop that. Don't come into agreement with him anymore. When he lies to you about one of your kids or your finances, don't receive that. You say, Satan... God says He's going to take care of me and my kids, my whole family. He's going to take care of our finances. I don't believe a word you're telling me. I choose, I choose to believe Him. we are going to be amazed at what will happen if you do that. Look at verse 13. No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And what did we say eternal means? Nobody knows, because it never stops. It never ends. Let's look at me. Eternity means there's no beginning and there's no end. He said, I thought I had a beginning when I was born. Not really. The Bible says centuries before you were born, God knew you and had you in his heart, preparing you to be conceived in the body of your mother in her womb so that you could be born on this earth and then become the friend of God. It's a mystery. Why would God want you as his friend? Why would God want me when He knows full well what I've done? What I did? What I did to some girls it is beyond me to even apologize anymore. I'm so ashamed, but God forgave me. I Had a lady came to me who had had an abortion. She was ashamed, and she she came crying, and she said. First of all, she said, what am I going to tell that child? And God told her, I've taken care of that too. That child is with me right now. And you will have an entire eternity to love on that child and that child love you back. She began to weep. She said, God would do that for me after what I did? Yes. Yes, he will. If you, you've had an abortion, listen to me. I'm not going to tell you to raise your hand. I just want you to hear this. God forgives you. God washes you clean. Amen? Amen? Verse 17, for God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believes on Him is not condemned. Did you get that? He's not is not condemned already because He hath not believed in the name of the only... Oh, He is condemned already because He hasn't believed in the... Uh, Only begotten Son of God. Listen, what what is the only way you can get to heaven? It's through Jesus and his blood. Oh my, I was I was at a we were at a memorial service yesterday and I looked around the room I saw some people I knew were Mormons. Uh, I knew there were some people I knew weren't anything. And I prayed uh, it was Pastor Phil down here at Calvary. And I prayed for him. I said I said, "Lord, give him the words to say." And he, he he preached a very small sermon, but it was powerful. And uh one of the people there, a lady that I'd known most of my life, uh Mormon. She wasn't when I knew her earlier. But I took one of my uh, CDs because I knew she was going to be there, and so I I went over to her before the service, and I gave it to her. And she was very appreciative. But I prayed over that CD. I said, Lord, when she gets it, I pray that you'll put an interest in her heart to listen to it. You know, I gave away most of the CDs I had printed, and a lot of people never even took them out of the box. But I prayed that God would do that, and I believe that he will. and this is the common condemnation that light is come into the unto the world into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil for everyone that doeth evil hates the light neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved but he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his de- deeds may be made manifest that they, may, they are wrought in God. You know, the hardest people to get to the Lord are rich people. Why? Well, they're rich. They got everything they need. Why do they need God? But you know what? How many of you starting to notice a kind of a weird thing that's happening to you? It's called old age. Boy, when I was in school, I couldn't wait to graduate, get out of there, and go, and, you know, but, Now I'm 72. The guy over here has got me beat by a couple of years. (laughs) Benny's a special guy. But you wake up one day and you realize your mortality. You and me, we're all going to die unless you happen to be part of that group that's alive when he comes. Oh, how many times I've prayed, Lord, let me be in that group. Why? Probably because afraid of death. Nobody, Nobody likes the idea of death. Death, the end, zero, zip, blackness, darkness, whatever you think about it, but it's coming. But you know, even that is a miracle. The Bible indicates that when you die, your spirit comes out of your body and is present with the Lord faster than it takes you to blink your eye. And so, when we do your funeral, if you're not cremated, we put you in a, a a box, a casket. After the service is over, we open the lid. People come by and cry, and they say their goodbyes. Then we take you, You're not you, we take your body, because that body's not you anymore. Your body is not you. Your body is what you travel in. It's like your car. In order to... Manifest yourself around in a physical universe, you got to have hands, you got to have taste, you got to have sight, hearing. But when you die and your spirit leaves, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we lower your casket down into the ground, but that's not you. But everybody, look at me. God is going to save. All three parts of you. Do you hear me? See, you cr- were created in his image. He's three parts. So are you. You are a spirit. You have a soul. And those two things are not the same. You are a spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a body. And I got news for you. God's going to save and glorify all three parts. The day will come if you if you have died in him. He will take your body out of the ground, and on your way up to the clouds, you'll be glorified. You'll be reunited with your spirit, and your body will be glorified. What does that mean? Same thing that happened to Jesus when he was resurrected. He could, like we said, he could walk through walls. He could fly. He could do all kinds of things. Telekinesis, the ability to, to be in Carl's bed, blink his eyes, and he could be in Jerusalem the next second. Taking Material things and being able to transport them through a physical universe at the blink of an eye from one place to another place. God is good. Any good? I want you to think about a universe without God. One guy, a very close friend of mine in my office one day, said, there is no God. It broke my heart. I believe, I believe God's doing a miracle in his life as well. When I got saved, my family thought I was nuts. My sister and brother weren't happy about it, and now I'm their pastor. And by the way, would you pray for my sister Patricia? Patricia. She's bedridden, and uh saw her yesterday, and uh, she wanted me to tell you hello. Well, I'm going to leave this now. I want you to go to Acts very, very quickly, Acts chapter 2, and then I'm going to close. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. This is where it all took place. Jesus, before he was received up into paradise, by the way, he flew on on that journey. He told his disciples, I want you to go back into Jerusalem to the upper room where they had the last supper. And he said, I want you to wait there. I got a surprise for you. And it wasn't just the 12 disciples, there were what 180 men, women and children in that room. and they were, they were talking to him. Did he tell you what it was going to be? Did he, did he tell you what it was? I, I'm excited, but I, I'm a little scared because I't I, let's look at it. And when the day of, verse 1, chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. Now I want you to visualize this. They're all in the room. They're sitting seated down, they're excited. Suddenly there's these sounds and then there is a ball of fire that appears on the ceiling. It's roiling. I know it doesn't say that particularly, but I'm, I'm taking a little bit of liberty here because I believe this is the way it happened. There was a ball of fire that appeared over their heads and roiling means it was like boiling. It was rolling and suddenly a tongue of that fire, a piece of that fire came down and sat on each one of them. For what purpose? Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there's, that, there's that nasty word, speaking in tongues. I don't know why it is. People from other denominations can believe almost anything, but speaking in tongues has just got them all fouled up. Everybody look at me, I'm going to tell you this. Speaking in tongues is the most powerful tool of intercession that God ever gave the church. You see, how many of you have been desperate about something, you didn't know really what it was, and you wanted to pray, but you didn't know how to pray? Anybody ever felt that? Frustrated? When you pray in tongues, look at me, it's God in here, because that's where He lives, Holy Spirit. Using your mouth, praying to God up there. If God is praying to God, is it the right prayer? Absolutely every single time. You don't even need to know what the prayer is. I I remember one night the Lord said, John, get out of bed. It was three in the morning. Get up. I don't wake up like that except when the dogs come in there and insist on going to the bathroom. But he said, get up. Get on your knees. And I slid down to the floor by the bed. He said, I want you to pray for this man in Africa. Didn't tell me his name. He said he's a missionary, and he's about to be killed. I want you to pray for him, and I'll save him. I said, but, but, Lord, I don't know the guy. He said, you don't need to know him. You just need to obey me and come into agreement with me. So I began to speak in tongues. God in here, using my mouth, praying to God, I never did hear anything about what happened. But I believe whoever that was, was saved from death. I read a book, and I don't even remember the name of it. True story: a missionary in Africa. He felt called to a village in the in the jungle. Primitive Indian people; they uh, that all they knew was pagan gods. And he took these logs and he cut them and he made seats out of them and he put them out in the center of the of the ta- of the little village, and. Then he put a pulpit out there, and he, he invited them all to come. And every, not just Sunday, but every day, he would go out there and stand behind his pulpit, and he'd, he'd look and motion for them. And they were in their little huts, and they had little uh, cloth curtains over their windows, and they'd peek out there, but they wouldn't go. One day, somebody came to the village and said, there's a rogue lion loose, and he's already killed. X amount of people. And you just need to be aware and be careful. And that's one of the reasons they were all staying in their houses. Now, it was a cloudless day. It wasn't a cloud in the sky. Suddenly, he heard people screaming. He's standing behind the pulpit. Nobody's there. People are screaming all around. And he looked down the road to the village, and he could see a lion It was a female lion. Sometimes they're more vicious than the males. He could see her walking down the center of the road toward the village. People were screaming. And he said, something overcame me. Power suddenly gripped me. He said, and all the people in the village were looking at him to see if he'd run and get in his little hut. He didn't run. He looked and they looked at him. They looked at the lion. And he said, I, I don't know what overcame me, but he said, I lifted my hand and I said, Lion, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And out of a cloudless sky, a bolt of lightning came down and struck that lion right in the center of her head and knocked her dead. Guess what happened ten minutes later? All the seats were filled. A couple of men went down there and got the lion and dragged her into the village. They're all looking. They're amazed. They saw the lightning. They didn't see any clouds. The whole village got saved because one lion that was a rogue had to die. Even in the midst of your trials and tribulations, God knows exactly what you need, when you need it, and how you need it. Amen? Close your eyes. Yesterday in that memorial service, the pastor came up and he had put two microphones down on the floor. And he said, anybody that wants to come and, and share something about the girl who had died, Feel free to come. And, and there was a bunch of them. And God God began to deal with me. He said, I want you to go up there and obey me. And I didn't think I'd have an opportunity. But finally he asked if there was anybody else and nobody, nobody moved, so I stood up and went down the aisle and came to the front. And I looked at him. I didn't say anything. And here's what I said. Sometimes I feel discouraged and think my work's in vain. But then the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. There is a balm in Gilead. To make the wounded whole, there is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. That's the first solo I ever had. I was in a choir at Carlsbad High School. And I was given that as my very first solo. And I told the crowd, I have to tell you something about this girl. I won't tell you her name, but I knew her most of her life. And the Lord told me to tell you that she was innocent. Now, several reasons for that. She was innocent because God had, that was her church. God had saved her and cleansed her, but she was also innocent because in her life she had some uh, mental difficulties, Not, not real serious, but some, and that's another reason she was innocent. But you know what about her that everybody appreciated? Everybody loved her, they just loved her. And she's with the Lord now, and she's at peace. I want you to know, all of you, that I love you. I want you to get excited about God and get excited about his his coming. Will you do that? Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, we praise you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. You can turn the lights on and you're dismissed. May God bless you today. Have a wonderful rest and a wonderful day tomorrow. Be praying for us as we go back to Lubbock. Thank you and God bless you.
0: This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at New Song Carlsbad churchcenter.com forward slash giving your gift is tax deductible please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe may the Lord richly bless you